0: A freaking out this, this is Brock and Salt. Brock Heward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike, Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Oh yes, Brock and Salt Seattle Sports here on 710 SeattleSports.com. Big Jerry DePoto day. He will join us in an hour and a half at 830. Tough loss for the Mariners yesterday. We'll get to them here in about a half hour at 730. Brock uh, wrote about the Seahawks last night and just kind of thinking about this team and everybody who keeps coming in town comes away impressed, mm-hmm. right? We talked about, we played the Greg Olson sound earlier this week. Certainly, Mark Schlereth was completely blown away when he came in and like couldn't stop talking about how the energy was and the talent pool here and everything else. Um, and, and they're not the only ones, right? It's just sort of been one after another after another. Everybody who comes in here seems to come away really, really impressed. Peter King, throw him on that list. So much so that even Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd, of all people. 71, he's an old, outdated system, didn't really let Russ Cook. Right, I mean, like, more references to the old defensive coach than you could count. He's an oldest. Even Colin Cowherd. even
1: when he came on with you guys and softened about Pete, you asked him if the Seahawks would make the playoffs, and he was like, "Mm -hmm." Eh,
2: I don't think so. Well, So, this is my revelation. What am I doing here? Seattle had another good draft. I was overthinking Seattle. And I was overthinking the NFC West. Arizona's in a total rebuild. The Rams are in a semi-rebuild. And San Francisco, Brock Purdy's not healthy. Trey Lance drama. Sam Darnold's looked better than both at practice and in their games. There's too much noise. It's just, it's just too much noise at quarterback, even though they have the best roster. So there is my revelation. Most productive quarterback from last year. Coaching continuity. Seattle is now in. NFC West. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Mm. I could listen to Cowherd talk about stuff like that all day. Do you
1: day. think you guys sway him at all?
0: No. Maybe. But probably not. Maybe think, a little more Greg Olson. Yeah. I'm know, gonna I am going to guess I, it's I some, the some of, of his O's. other sources. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wasn't <laughs> I mean, really us. No, <laughs> no disrespect. No. To us. Yeah. No disrespect. Not taken. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have that kind of power. But no. I don't I started thinking about it yesterday. Okay. So all these people seem to be jumping on this bandwagon, Brock. What is it about this bandwagon that's real? And what is it that is, uh, you know, maybe a little bit hype, a little bit fragile, I guess is the word that I use for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's impossible to know right now, but trying to figure out and guess what that will look like. The reasons that I think this team will be good, like the coaching, real, Mm -hmm. right? Like Pete's one of the best coaches in the game. What he did last year with Geno Smith while watching Russell Wilson do what he did in, in Denver should solidify Pete as one of the best coaches in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I think coaching continuity, and he used that word. I think that is an important component of this mm-hmm. because San Francisco, kind of like Seattle in their heyday, you have success, people come get your people to come poach your talent. And the fact that Shane is stuck around, this is year number three, Clint is in year number two, and there's got to be a significant sophomore bump, as Coach Carroll likes to say. So, yeah, I think continuity of scheme, continuity of staff, continuity of people. All of that, certainly with coaches, you know, uh, chops as well as a coach. Yep, that's on the real life. The star power on this team? Fragile.
0: Right? I mean, you really only have two stars on the team. I I was thinking about it and trying to figure out at least name brands around the league. Other than DK and Bobby, is there anybody on this team that has much name recognition, brand recognition around the league? Jamal. Well, but he's not playing, at least as of now. I mean, maybe, but he hasn't played or done anything in three years. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, so i just kind of looking through and saying, okay, well, where where is the the star power? I mean, why do
3: you hate Tyler Lockett so much?
0: I, mean, I don't just hate him. him. No, you hate him. The opposite. I think Jeez. he's a wonderful player and doesn't get much credit mm-hmm. for that. And so, look, do you need to have stars in the NFL? Yeah, <laughs> I think you do. I think you got to, and they don't have to be names, but they've got to have star qualities and they've got to big the big moments and, and meet those moments and make big plays in them they got to
3: be different dudes, right? As Pete said after that San Francisco playoff loss to us, is they have just got, got guys that are different than everybody else, yeah. right? I mean, Bosa and Armstead, just to begin with, at the most important point of attack, you can't really block one-on-one. So their left tackle is a star. Their slot receiver is a star. Their running back According to the guy, Mora, this is really important to me. You know, this the server yesterday at the golf course was asking me, "Do I take McCaffrey?" Got the fifth pick. Do I take McCaffrey? I'm leaning McCaffrey, and I'm I kind of McCaffrey
1: still there at the fifth pick.
3: Oh, really? So, yeah, there you go in fantasy. I mean, he's what is McCaffrey? Top three,
0: probably. Yeah. So you, so oh, and then the middle linebacker for Warner. Up quarterback for them too. Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could. He's so. just running Did back wide year? receiver quarterback situation. So, yeah, obviously he's I think, I high think in fantasy. I
3: think on your list and in, in your article, that is the biggest gap between you and the team from last year.
0: Yeah, it could be. Um, depth is another one where I think it's very real. I mean, just looking at what we've seen so far in the preseason, the depth seems we- very real. So does the weaponry on the outside mm-hmm. and at running back, et cetera. But where I'm concerned, and maybe this is where I'm most concerned, is just the roster design. Mm that that's the fra- most fragile part for me. Maybe maybe you're right on the on the stars. For me it's just roster design, where your best players play versus where you have question marks. Mm-hmm. And it just my only real issue with this I can live without the stars. Honestly, like there's some fragility there but I can live without it because I think you've got so much depth and you have a lot of it concentrated at specific positions that I think will make you a handful for teams to deal with. But I, I'm just going to be, at least until we see otherwise, concerned about the the construction and design of where your best players play.
3: Yeah, I think that they would say, well, hold on just a second. I mean, we've got Boye and Darrow and Derek Hall, mm-hmm. and we have been raving about, and Uchenna, we've been raving about that talent on the line of
0: scrimmage. And, and, if, it, and if it turns out that that talent is as good as we think it is right now, that's why there's hype right now. Yep. Like I'm not I'm not against that happening, but we haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean Boye's played well in preseason, but we've yet to see him be a big time contributor in the regular season. Yep. Derek Hall hasn't done anything. Daryl Taylor has only really kind of done one thing. Yes. So and then the middle of that defensive line is still a lot of question marks. From a design standpoint, I guess that would be the argument that I
3: would come back in just a little bit. I get, you know, you've invested in your offensive tackles; they, they're bookends. If the game is still line of scrimmage, which it is for this head coach, what you're really talking about is these young guys taking a step. I mean, you're those guys that I just yeah, mentioned. I guess I
0: would also say I'm talking about the six players closest to the ball when it's snapped. The six players closest to the ball when it's snapped are all question marks. Maybe not maybe not Dre Jones, but I still don't really know exactly what he looks like in, you know, run stopping, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But your nose tackle, your other defensive linemen, and your three interior offensive linemen are all question marks. Those players are pretty darn close to the ball. Yep. Uh, Jaren, you know, I, I think
3: Jaron's got a pretty good baseball card, pretty good resume of what Jaron Reed is. Is he is he dominant? Probably not dominant, but is he a good player and an upgrade over what you had last year? Again, I'm just kind of trying to counter some of that. I, I don't disregard it. And if there is an area in the next two weeks before they make their final cuts that they've got to make a move, I heard you earlier talking about receiver. I mean, now this this position that was just abundant going into Doesn't it pre-season. seem like you got to find a
0: veteran receiver somewhere uh, just yeah. to come
3: in and help out for a little while? Yeah. yeah. I mean, with, with DK and, and Tyler, I mean, as you said, with Jackson out, who's your third? I mean, it's, probably, it's Bobo. It's Bobo right now. <laughs> Who again really was remarkable. a star yesterday? Makes an unbelievable play and a diving catch and just continues when he gets opportunities. Say. I'm the guy. Give me an opportunity. Yeah. But yeah, that that would those. I think those are fair and certainly worthy of debate. Well,
0: you guys can go debate it yourself. Read it at uh, SeattleSports.com. That is up this morning uh, for you to uh, I don't know enjoy instead of working this morning. Like get to the office, put on the computer, and just kind of zone out for a little while and read what's on Seattle Sports. And if you want to
3: enjoy, hopefully at the end, of need to know. I will tell you the greatest Howard competitive moment of well, my life yesterday. That that'll be exciting. That well, happened.
0: Yesterday, it will will come after uh, something that concerned me yesterday. It's next. I need to know it's Brock and Salk, sales sports on 710. Need to know
3: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know up first. Well, not exactly a banner day for the Mariners yesterday. They had an opportunity to complete the sweep against a bad team in Chicago with nobody in the stands and. Couldn't get it done. Offense a little problematic early, as I thought he was uh, effectively wild, and it seemed to drive them crazy. But they came back, and it was Eugenio Suarez with the big hit. Only one out here in the Swing Swinging a line
2: shot in the center field. That's going to drop in for a base hit. Here comes Raleigh on to score. Crawford rounding third, being waved in. The throw in is cut off. No relay to the plate, and the Mariners have the lead. On a two run single by
0: AU Hadio Suarez. How about that? That was a great moment. Unfortunately, they went to the ninth and Andres Munoz couldn't hold it. I did not think he looked particularly good yesterday. Kind of average. Fastball, I mean, 98's good. He did get one up to 100, Mm. but it's not the 100, 100, 100, 101, 102, 103 that we were seeing. And the slider just looks kind of biteless. It just kind of... It's not devastating. It's spinning up there too often. And even when it's good, it's not as good as it was. So that's a question mark for me, I think, moving forward. And the other is, where was Matt Brash? Not that I'm questioning Scott's decision-making, more like... You know, Munoz had pitched the day before. Brash hadn't. Mm-hmm. Little surprise to not see Brash in there after two days off. You know what yesterday felt like? And, and it's just human nature. It's just reality.
3: Man, this is our final game on this 10-game road trip. And it is hot and humid as all get out. No one's there because I don't want to sit and watch a baseball game when it's 97 and humid. And as a player, I think there's just some of this mentality. And, and, and I don't know if this and baseball guys are different. They're like, okay, who's going to get the job? Oh, thank you, AU Haney. Thank right. you for just making Thank you for getting it done, right? Just get it done. Just get out of here and get home. And unfortunately, just couldn't close it out in the late innings.
0: Well, they were, do return home after an eight and two road trip. So, not going to get too uh, freaked out about the loss yesterday. Book. It's weird, though. Book ended games with eight wins in the middle, the two losses, both with big comebacks late that you ended up then losing afterwards. It's just kind of a strange symmetry to the whole thing. Toronto loses, Houston loses, so uh, no real changes in the wild card, and the homestand starts tomorrow with Kansas City in town. Here's the second thing. You need to know. Well, late last night, really horrible news shaking the baseball world. We found out that Shohei Otani has a torn UCL. He's going to need a second Tommy John surgery. Angels GM Perry Manassian just sounds defeated. Obviously, Shohei left the game today.
2: (laughs) Um, We did imaging in between games. He does have a tear, Uh, you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So we're going to get a second opinion. Go from there, but it's basically day-to-day. Obviously, head. hit. So, um, you know, that's, that's where we're at. That's a UCL tear? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a UCL.
0: Yeah, that's going to be Tommy John again. The Angels went all in to try to keep Shohei. And they're 5-16 and 16 in Can August. Can you even imagine? And Mike Trout is now going back to the IL as well. What a disaster. Otani's not going to be able to pitch next year. Obviously, a huge question mark now as to his value. And, you know, we talked to both Passen and Smoltz this week about some of the inevitability of pitcher injuries. This yep. is now two Tommy Johns for Shohei.
3: Yeah, baseball has a way because 162 games and it's an unbelievably long season that just when you think you're right, like, oh, I'm right. I got this one right. I nailed it. You better be real, real careful. And conversely, if you're on the other side of that argument, you know, you just kind of weigh a little bit. And I'm sure there were a ton of people that said, yeah, this was never sustainable. You are never going to be a two-way player in today's baseball. Do you think the two things are related? Yeah, I do. You do? Oh, I think the amount of work that it takes to be a pitcher alone... On top of the amount of work it takes to be a hitter alone in huh. today's game. That hadn't even dawned on me. Oh,
0: I think they're absolutely related. On top of throwing 100 miles an hour. And I mean, I think, I think guys get multiple Tommy Johns all the time. I don't know whether hitting has anything to do with it.
3: Uh, certainly, in my mind, can't help. But it's devastating for the sport. Huh. He is the biggest star in the game. It was unbelievable to watch both. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that when he does come back, he continues to try to, with the wear and tear on his body, do both of those things. And then if you're the Angels, like, you gotta trade him. Trade him at the trade deadline. You gotta trade him. Can you imagine the haul you could have got for Otani at the you trade if deadline? you
0: had Traded everything for Otani, and then this and then happened. That happened. Oh my gosh, unbelievable. Here's the third thing you need to know. No, we're creeping up to the third and final preseason game. It'll be Saturday, 10 a.m. start in Green Bay. I don't know how many starters are going to play, but the one guy who I thought looked ready to go when I was out there the other day for practice was Ken Walker. Yeah, I feel
2: good. It's a big difference between year one and year two. I know they said that a lot, but I, I was like, I kind of didn't believe it, but like, I'm real comfortable now. I don't have to think as much. It's like, it's come easier to me now. You know, I feel like I had to get in a lot of games to do that, but... Since I've played in a a lot of games, I feel like I'm more comfortable now. And I feel like that's where the growth came
0: in. Yeah, that's pretty good. He looked uh, awesome when we were out there, didn't he? His legs. Fast. His legs are
3: just superhuman. One of the sneaky great cuts that we've had in in conversations over the last couple weeks was, was with Quandre. You know, the short little guy, Diggs. Uh, when he talked about, hey, when you put pads on, I kind of asked him, hey, there have been players over the years that all of a sudden those pads come on. And because we talked to him the first day, they put pads on in camp this year. And he's like, uh, yeah, Ken Walker last year, that was real. And you knew it from the moment you tried to tackle that guy. And as we watched him run by us the other day at practice, you are just reminded he is built different. mm mm-hmm different saquon barkley-esque legs and that's not an exaggeration he has that kind of powerful strong you know just fire hydrant can you imagine tackling him no Huh. and it's different from tackling oh, whatever we some of these some of these hour. sports information directors will put pads on and, and have fun and get hit and sacked and you know i want to feel a hit for charity or something like, yeah. Oh, you want
0: to tackle Ken Walker full speed? No. No. No, I'm all nay, sad. never. That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. One of the greatest Hewitt
3: accomplishments yesterday on the course. And Damon said, Yeah, you're gonna talk about it. I know you are. I said, Yeah. I mean, I've got to. Prime I've of, time, I got a fifty thousand watt, you know, mouthpiece right here. You you're better golfing believe with it.
0: Damon yesterday.
3: Golfing with Damon, Coach what? Peterson. Competitive juices oh, out. Oh gosh, what an absolute blast. Football stories galore. Most I can't ever share, but jeez, people would want to know some of them. They I have a one-stroke lead on Damon, which I always do going down the stretch. He and I are just back and forth. We're we're straight bogey players. It's always you know typically low eighties, high eighties, low nineties, whatever. Not great, but competitive. Got one-stroke lead. Go to eighteen, par four. He stripes his drive right down the middle. Okay, I hit my little bottle rocket to the right. And then I and then I hit up right into some messy stuff. We're out at Overlake on eighteen. He's up near the green. He's on the green on the fringe with probably a thirty foot putt, twenty five foot putt for par. Okay, I can't find my ball. And, I mean, I just can't find it. And he kind of comes and helps, but not really. No, yeah, he won't help, bro. We got a group behind us. You got a time limit. Like, right, you're gonna take a stroke. Like. Where's the marshal? You know, like I'm screaming for the marshal. So There's you, no marshal. Take a stroke. I take a stroke. Okay. And then I got to punch out between so now you're the hitting 4 I'm uh yes, and I got to punch out between trees. So, boom. Got it through there great. I'm probably 15 yards short of the green right in front of them. Okay. I got probably a 60-foot putt for bogey or chip. Good golfers chip and they're going to chip it and they're going to run it up there. I'm not chipping it. There's no chance I chip it in. The only chance I have to make this for bogey and to put the pressure on him to make it to to tie is putting. And, bro, I was straight Larry Bird It, it on his three-point contest. Went off my putter. I'm like, that, that's that got a chance. Make it through the fairway, like, oh, my gosh, that's really got a chance. It is trending right towards the hole <laughs> as I am walking with my finger in the air. Did I just do that? Did I just do that? I just did that. And, wow. and Damon, like, of course, he's he can't make a 30-foot putt. He was close, probably three feet short. Just tipped his cap. I mean, what are you going to do? Wow. That's right. You get your music. <laughs> That's right. 87 King Bowl. The last time I heard this. Oh. Right here. Right so here. The new right airboat air sounds
0: bad. This is the last time you have heard this. We played this for you for like in an a entire com- show in two months ago. In a competitive oh. environment, oh, okay. So But now you're the champion. I
3: won. Like KJ said, I want to win another Super Bowl. It I is won just like my Hewitt yes. Super Bowl yesterday. Yeah. Bam! It is a lie.
0: It is a lot like AJ. You like that? <laughs> Nobody likes that. We'll be right back. It's Broken Socks on you know, Sports at Seven Ten.
2: This this is Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska
0: Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10.
2: On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well,
0: the frustration of yesterday aside, it's been a heck of a run here for the Mariners over the last almost two months. And a lot of it has been surprising, right? I mean, you got a lot of guys that have shown up this year and done more than was expected of them. There have been some guys who underperformed, and certainly we've spent more than enough time on them. But how about the guys who have been pleasant surprises this year and, you know, Brock, we've talked about this before. One of, one of the cool things they do in the city I grew up in that we probably shouldn't even name or else people just turn off the station in anger. But one of the cool things they do is that each of the teams at the end of the year offers what they call the 10th player award or sixth man award or 12th man award, depending on, on the sport. Yep. And it goes to the player who most exceeded expectations for that season. Which I love. I think it's such a great thing to honor in each sport in a, in a city, and it's just one of the great traditions there. But we've talked about it before at times here, like, okay, who should be the 10th player award for the Mariners this year or 12th player award for the Seahawks, et cetera, the person who exceeds expectation. And I think it's a fairly easy answer for me this year on the Mariners, hmm. but let me throw out a bunch of nominees that would all make sense and at the very least deserve consideration. Okay. Obviously, you've got your two rookie pitchers who showed up without a ton of people knowing a lot about them. And both Brian Wu and Bryce Miller have been really fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'll put those two names on the list. Uh, Jose Caballero was nobody ever heard of him. And when they needed a little help, and Haggerty got sent down, et cetera, it was Caballero who came up. Not what was the other guy's name? Matt McCoy, mm-hmm. who I think we thought was going to be I that. Knew they ended up trading, right? Yes, Maybe. just yeah. a couple. Mace, Mason, McCoy. Mason McCoy, thank yeah. you. Who was uh, who was supposed to kind of be that defensive presence? Well, yeah. they went with Caballero. The rest is history. Uh, both Canzone and Rojas have done some really interesting things since being dealt here for Seawald. Obviously, the season Jared Kelnick had before getting injured, especially in the first half. Pretty unbelievable. Justin Topa was nobody, and I think he might be their best reliever right now. Uh, same with Spire, who was a nobody, had been essentially DFA'd a few times in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He shows up here, has become a major contributor. Sato is another one who kind of emerged out of nowhere. He's he's this year's Matt Festa for me, where he just kind of showed up, and oh my god, this guy's actually yep. a pretty productive pitcher. So. That, that's probably the list. Maybe you want to throw George Kirby on there. I think that would probably be tough, just given some of the high expectations for him this year. But as high as they were, he still probably exceeded them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Obviously, Julio, Teo, Cal, Suarez, France. I don't think any of those guys make sense. So that that's kind of what your list looks like as of today. I think there's an obvious favorite for that, mm-hmm. but I'll throw it to you first who would you give your 10th man award to right now?
3: I can't go to the bullpen because that's every year. I mean, just about every single year, the greatest strength of this organization is developing those guys, Mm -hmm. uh, finding what they're looking for. And we're just kind of even watching it right now with Campbell and Thornton and these guys are getting productive outs and meaningful innings. So I I can't give anybody, and that's unfair. I don't know what you call that bias. What is that, recency bias? or Yeah, because it's just right now, but it's just everything they've done in the past as well. So – that's nothing against those men because they have been a big part of this. Their bullpen has been largely filthy this mm-hmm. season, and it's why they're in this spot with their starters. So I eliminate those. Whew, I mean, woo is close. I, to me, it's woo or cabby. Bryce Miller Bryce Miller was wanted by just about everybody in baseball. They knew what was coming, right? When we saw him in the spring, I think Moore and I were sitting there watching that game as when he came in, one of the early spring trees. Whoa that is different. Mm-hmm. Like his stuff is just different. His RPMs on his fastball are just different. The league knew that. And would he, you know, live up to those expectations as a young guy? Yes, that and more. Wu, Wu is a guy that was injured and I think had 47 is a high watermark of innings in a season coming into this year. And not Emerson Hancock being called up before like Brian Wu? Or what? Who? And we didn't even see him at spring training. We saw Bryce at spring training. So it's Woo or Cabbie. It's Wu is the arm sure, and Cabbie. Those aren't bat. the two
0: that I would have gone with. Well, one of them is. Uh, for me, the easy answer is Jose Cabbie. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know that I could look at anybody else. Jose Caballero was a throw-in, nobody, nothing. He's a top five WAR rookie Who's, in all of baseball. He's been one of the best second basemen in baseball in terms of wins. Also this year, I mean, he's been unbelievable. And he didn't start playing until a couple of months into the season. And even then, he's mostly been a platoon guy. He's been awesome. We we talked to Goldsmith about him a while ago, and I thought this was a,
2: a nice way of describing him. Is this a guy who can be an everyday major leaguer? Because he he does his work against lefties, and he kind of hangs in against righties. And so far, he's hung in enough against righties to keep himself in the lineup. Uh, but obviously, the, he makes his money against the lefties, which is where his career started for the Mariners. And now he's essentially an everyday guy, by and large, at least. When you talk about his overall persona, this is something to keep in mind for Jose Caballero. This is a, a young man who is from Panama, who had never really been to the United States until he went to a junior college in Florida. And when he came to the States as essentially a college-aged young man, he spoke zero English, none. And he had to navigate going to classes and going to practice and playing games... In the United States, without speaking the language.
0: Well, whatever lack of fear he showed in that regard, he has done exactly the same since coming up. He gets under your skin. Oh. He is a pest. Oh. He is an irritant. Oh. He has brought some grit, determination, oh. and edge to this team that they absolutely need. Yesterday, look, I'm I, I watching him last night. He gets on second base. He steals third, down two. Stole second and three. stole third. Yes, yeah, 3-0. They've got nothing going. He steals second. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, go steal second. Yeah. You steal third with, with, a one lefty, out? with a lefty in the box. With Rojas I, in the I box. Was, I was very surprised when he did it, but you know what? Onions. That that run absolutely ended up mattering, Yep. right? I mean, they end up getting one there as Rojas lays down a pretty nice bunt. That was a pretty cool play, uh, by the way. Great bump. Really, really cool play, but like he's just got no fear, and people are barking at him, and they're hitting him, and they're upset with him, and he throws them off their game. And it's been the Astros, it's been the Yankees. Like I, I okay, I don't know where okay, you are So, so, two, this year. so
3: two things, uh, text toy, come alive for me right here, come alive. I mean, I'm on a high today. I don't but, know if you can but tell. Can but you, by the way, what? I, I would have gone with Miller over Wu. That's fine. You would have. You like to be contrarian. That's fine.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's no, contrarian. No, you didn't love
3: any of my points. I saw your face. I read you like know, a book. It was a good po- they were I knew good points. Damon wasn't going to make that putt. In fact, I got a picture right here. I'll show you of where I putted this Please from while I tell you this story. No, that's where I putted it from as I took the picture of him knowing Texas he wouldn't wins. make that. This now? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm done with that. I'm okay. done celebrating myself. It's not about me. 866
1: uh, 866- <laughs> I mean, we weird.
3: 866 866- you 979-3776 Salk. You yes. can answer this on the Major League level. Justin Amora. G in the back of of course, he is because he loves sports. Uh, you guys think of this from a major league level. I want the text toy to help me at the Mariner level. Who is Who has been the biggest irritant that the Mariners have ever employed? Who has been a Mariner that has just gotten under the skin like Jose Caballero, like a tick, he gets in you and you're just so annoyed. These other teams can't stand him. For years, Salk, while we've been doing this, they've not had him. I can't think of one. Because every manager that we have talked to in the past is like, gosh, I wish we had an edgy. You know, like we need. An edge. I mean,
0: Danny Valencia was an irritant to his own team. Does that count? No. Okay. No, I'm telling So they've definitely nope. had guys, you know, nope. Sean Figgins, no, 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 and no. Casey nope. Kochman, who everyone, Eric Bedard. Yes. They were definitely irritants in the building.
3: Yes. But you mean to the other team? To the other team. Who has been the edge? Who's been the guy that gets under other people's skin and just bothers them the way that cabbie does? I can't think of anybody. Who is? So eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. I got a couple Mariner names in the past, but even them, I don't think were just such a a pest
0: in a great way. He's Runito Dor. I mean, he, yeah. he's your very own <laughs> It's Dor.
1: A little different with the pitch clock too. He's using that as a tool to True. irritate other.
0: People. <laughs> he's found a new, a new. He's he's taking advantage of a new rule in order to do something that is great. But other than, other than uh, Dor, I mean, like that's really the only example of guys like him that comes to mind immediately when I even think about it in all of the baseball. There aren't that many guys in baseball that do that. It's not a. It's not like hockey where every team has someone like that.
3: Are these these quote unquote unwritten rules? Is this the, hey man, there's a code to baseball and you're just, you're outside of it?
0: No, I think it's just generally not the way that game is played, right? I mean, like, how it is just- that different than an unwritten rule? What do you mean? I, well, maybe it, I, don't, I don't mean that. I guess because it's not rules that dictate; it's just sort of Code. the way it's
3: been. Hey, man, this is. Hey, man, we're all in this.
0: Like, don't do this.
1: I don't, don't.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's uh, like that. He, I think no? it's, he
1: used to get himself in trouble for just the way that he would barrel into people. Who'd you say, Pete Rose?
0: Well, sure. I mean, if you want to go back that far, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Rose and Fisk and Munson. You're talking and, about unwritten
1: rules, and I'm not talking
3: would. like pers- just,
0: I'm not talking personality I like Ian just, Kinsler or Barry
3: Bond I mean, there've been personalities that are difficult. It's just fear of getting drilled all yes, the time. I'm talking right? style. I of play like yeah. i don't care i'm gonna mix it up and i'm gonna be a pest and i'm gonna bother you and i'm gonna bother you on the base pass i'm gonna bother you in the batter's box i'm i am gonna be an annoyance mr maldonado and mr dusty baker and you're gonna have to deal with me yeah it's
0: just him Do you remember he did it to garrett cole like oh, that? yeah. but there's the I had, a, I had a teammate like this and i remember asking him like well, how and why are you so comfortable with that and he's like hey man i'm gonna push it until the point they give up on their team Like until they decide to hit me and put me on base, that's Mm. him giving up. That's me sticking up for my team.
3: Yeah, it's it's a. And then when he gets on base, I don't know if your teammate could run like Cabbie. Freak fast. Yes. I mean he's he, a he he's like, you gets give on me a free base, base? I'm gonna pick
0: three. To me, this is this is much more of a hockey mentality. And it's funny, somebody compared Rojas to a hockey player the other day. I think Caballero's the one that reminds me of that sort of irritant that you find in hockey that is not an enforcer, he's not a fighter. He's the guy who drives the other team crazy, gets them off their game and forces them to take a dumb penalty. Mm-hmm. More smiling right now because she's thinking about Brad Marshan. But there's oh, plenty well, of yeah. others. I mean no, Avery I was... was one of those guys, and if I want well, to go back to my youth, it was Ken Linsman, who was the master of it, but there've been tons of them. Guys who just Steve Ott was another who just completely drive you insane until like you're off your game and focusing on them instead of your own business.
3: And there's guys in basketball that way, right? That just grab jerseys and and you know just do cheap little moves, give you a little elbow in the ribs. That Bruce Bowen that just know how to play those games. Rodney Harrison as a football player was that kind of guy. That was kind of me on the basketball court. That was you on the court a little bit. We're getting
1: a lot of nominations. But almost none are the same. Norm Charlton is the only one that comes up multiple times. It's Pit, all like different people. Pictures,
0: yeah. Pitcher. The guy I hate is Rudentador, and, and he kind of gives me that vibe of yeah. like just a. Yep. We got
1: a Ricky Henderson, Dave Eckstein, Brett Boone, Joey Cora, no, no, nope. not really, sorry, Ichiro,
0: nope, yeah, nope. not like any of those. Guys. Mark
3: McLemore <laughs> strikes me as one of those guys that he just didn't care what anybody else thought, and especially the opponent. Like, to me now, he he wasn't even to this extent as an irritant, but he was one of those that bounced around enough places, and like, when I wear your uniform, I'm all in for you, and I will do whatever it takes. I
0: do have one other nominee here for uh, the 10th player most, you know, not improved, but uh, person who uh, was the most pleasant surprise, and that's J.P. Crawford. I don't know that I'd give him the award because he's had some good seasons, and certainly when he's been healthy, but... Mm Hard to argue. I mean, he's been their best offensive player for most of this year. I don't know that anybody saw that coming when the season began. Should we be taking J.P. Crawford's candidacy more seriously?
1: He was a surprise just because he's been playing a while, but this is what he was supposed to be when he came into the league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And he's had a lot of time to develop, and he got a contract I feel like extension here. We're talking more
1: like here. under the radar, guys. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to not give JP credit. It
0: seems like it. It seems like
1: maybe you don't, don't ex- want to give him
0: his credit, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, like, you know. I don't okay.
1: think of him as a 10th man.
0: Yeah. I think you could make an argument for it. I, I, I like the nomination. I think, again, I would still go with Caballero 1, Miller 2, and I, I might have him number three. I think that there is something to what JP's done this year that was well beyond an expectation, well beyond the expected level offensively. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he would probably deserve some consideration. All right, fun conversation. Right now, it's time for a little Blue 88. This is Brock and Sock's Blue 88.
3: Blue 88! Blue 88!
0: We take you to the field as
2: Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
3: Now here's
0: your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Brock, I'm sure you saw the uh, CBS list that Justin Amora sent over yesterday uh, of various trade candidates that might be available in the NFL. Most of them were running backs, so that's probably not going to be a fit here right now in Seattle. There was a kind of under-the-radar wide receiver that, I don't know, what's his name, Anthony Schwartz. Yeah, he could run old Auburn Tiger, Yeah, That doesn't feel like necessarily the type of wide receiver that they need right now. There was only one defensive lineman on the list, and I wondered if you found him intriguing at all. That's Lawrence Guy, thirty-three-year-old interior mm-hmm. defensive lineman in New England, about 6'4", 3'15". Yeah, he's a big, long guy,
3: and he's interested. Played a bunch of ball. Interested? Yeah, but he wants to get paid, and I don't love those situations. Like I, I I'd, you know, I'd rather. Kind of trade for somebody, and when they've made some of these moves, it's somebody you know trying to scrap and 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 wants to get paid eventually, but he wants to get paid now, and he's been a productive, good player. You know, wants out of New England. A lot of players want out of New England. So environmentally, I think it could be beneficial. Skill set wise, yeah, he's got some size and length, and knows how to take on double teams and do all of that. I just get concerned that if you're going to trade, it wouldn't be of any real value. Mm -hmm. That would not be the consideration that would bother me. It's probably a sixth or seventh round pick. It's just this guy wanted out of there and wants to get his due and wants to get his money at this age and stage of his career. That would concern me a little bit because that that would not come along. I mean, you're just not going to pay a 33, 34-year-old guy, Lawrence, this guy moving forward. So that's where I kind of nix that. I still think wide receiver i still think interior defensive line i still think probably a few other needs with a younger guy than a 33 year old like lawrence Mm -hmm. all right question number two wouldn't hate it though wouldn't hate it i mean big bodies are hard to find as you saw there's only been
0: pretty productive
3: there's a lot of perimeter guys a lot of a lot of stuff on the outside a lot of running backs Not a lot of big body difference makers, so I would not hate it.
0: All right. Uh, Question number two, as much as uh, KJ wanted to start the show yesterday talking Drew Locke, and I know you're quite fond of what Drew has done so far this year. Where can he improve if he really wants to be a starter?
3: Yeah, I had that long conversation with a few different people just watching Drew, and I've I've raved about his, and I even told him this personally, like, bro, your play-action mechanics are teaching tape you get in such great rhythm and bounce in your body and everything when you're in that play action game. And uh, I had my buddy Brady Henderson look it up. I said, Brady, would you mind? I know you've got that whole catalog there over at ESPN with all their stats and data. Would you mind taking a look at drew lock dropbacks in just straight dropbacks versus play action in his career? I'm curious if there's as big a disparity as my eyes tend to see. And uh, of course, being the gentleman that he is, he absolutely did that. Uh, this is throughout his career, 19 through 21. Member did not take a snap all of last year. He has a raw QBR of 81.4. Nine touchdowns, two picks, zero sacks in his career in play action. Regular season play, 19 through 21, and 81.4. To add context to that, no play action. That is where 36 sacks come, 19 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Nine to two. 19 to 18 in a QBR of 36. So it's a lot better in play action. He is a bona fide starter in this league, play action. That's just about where Geno is. And remember, Geno last year was the league's best in play action. Geno in his career, 83.6. Play action, 55.3, no play action. Every QB is going to be better in play action. But you can't have that kind of disparity. And uh, that will be, I think that will be the charge. I think we'll see a mix of both of those things in Green Bay. If he were to have to play this year in some stretch with Gino out, that is the next step that he has to take. He can be a backup in this league for a long time with his arm, his athleticism, just his character, what what you know? we have seen, I have seen, and KJ saw. Like, guys like him. He's a likable guy. You want to root for him. But until he cleans that up between the tackles, hard to be a bona fide starter week in and week out
0: in this league. All right, question number three. I know you also spent some time this week around U Dub. As you just look into this season, what does it look like for you?
3: It is it is very promising. Yeah, they they are the more I thought about what my eyes saw for those couple hours, and the biggest question for them last year was not too different than the Seahawks. They couldn't stop people. They, too, couldn't stop the run. That Oregon game I called where Oregon ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it. it. You want to talk about a -a rope-a-dope. I mean, it was the ultimate Pete Carroll rope-a-dope. And we'll give up four, and we'll give up four, and we'll give up five, and we'll give up four, and we'll see if you can really do it. And then all of a sudden, Bo ran and popped his calf, and uh, uh uh-oh, now you're in a little bit of trouble. So, uh, that looked so much better, so much better. And 23 has got to be the year. <laughs> I think Jen Cohen would have loved to be here because 23 is going to be a fun, fun year. Mm-hmm. going to be a brutal stretch with SC and Oregon State and Utah and all of that in October. And, you know, right out the gate, Boise, you get a test here in nine days. But this is going to be a team that uh, if they stay healthy – should absolutely push SC for a Pac-12 title. Oregon State, Oregon, Utah right there as well. And health, probably more than any other determinant, will be the biggest factor. Good
0: stuff. All right, there you go. That is today's version of Blue 88. It's three good football questions for Brock every day. Can
3: you just snort on me? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, you like that? I'm missing Wendell. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. Just kind of missing my guy, Wendell. Yeah. You
3: know who else does that? You know who else is in our family is the snorter?
0: Macy. No, really? She, Mm-mm. I would have
3: guessed. <laughs> yeah. she, was guess a a no, right. she was the drooler. No, she was the drooler growing up. Yeah. Poor I mean, thing. I, I would
0: have said, without a shadow of a doubt, Macy. I'm if she got a little
3: older. People at church would say, "I got to tell you," when we took care of her in the nursery, I'd always have to bring a different shirt because she was just a she was <laughs> a drooler. She was such That's a drooler. A nice. No, Aww. Grandma Peg. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. When she yeah, she gave it. We got to hang out with Grandma and Grandpa last night, and yeah, she she will be the. She'll start laughing.
0: <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> like oh, Avery's the snorter in my family. She? She's more of the laughing snorter. Yes, Like, she'll start. Laughing, <laughs> snarfing away over there. Like, hey, tone it down over there, Avery. <laughs> <laughs> quit, quit snarfing away. Yeah, it was her and Wendell. We could never tell who was who. <laughs> Start laughing. Is that Avery? Uh, is that Wendell? Yeah, very difficult. Funny. All right. Uh, Jerry Depoto is going to join us here in thirty minutes. I, I got to ask him, obviously, what's going on. Sort of in the ninth inning, and I, and it's not like an attack on why are they using one guy over another, et cetera. It's more of like, is Brash okay? I was surprised yesterday to see Munoz come into the game because I like to try to manage along, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, what would I do here? What would I do there? But an off day today, he
3: just had the one out the night before. Yeah. Right, as you look at that pocket of players. Brash had
0: had two days off instead of no days off. Yeah. And also has sort of been better in the ninth inning. So I was a little surprised not to see him in that moment. Hey, if it's just, hey, Scott went with Munoz over Brash, Fine. Yep. That's the guy who they had, you know, in the pocket. No big deal. If it's yeah, you know, kind of wanted to stay away from him for another couple of days. You know, that's something I want to watch out for, especially because yep. Munoz just, from what I can tell anyway, just watching on TV doesn't have quite the same zip on the fastball mm-hmm. and doesn't have quite the same bite on the slider right now. Mm-hmm. And if if you know you want to start to write a nightmare scenario, not that I do, and I'm not panicking after one loss, trust me, but. If there's an issue with Brash and if there's an issue with Munoz and you've traded Seawald and Penn Murphy's hurt, you know, it's like your top four relievers. That's a lot. That's going to be difficult to try to navigate mm-hmm. all the way through. So you know, we'll, see, uh, we'll see where this goes. We'll talk to Jerry coming up in 30 minutes. Up next, though, we are on to our number two most intriguing Seahawk, and this one is the shocker. This is the biggest surprise. This is the one everyone will be talking about. Could it be this guy's at number two, not number one? The shock is revealed next.